0: Hallelujah. Isn't God good? All the time. God is God is good. All the time. All the time. Amen. Oh, you guys are getting it today. It's good because I have about a three hour message to give. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Come on. No, 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 not going to happen. I've been teaching and ministering on the Beatitudes. I started, was that last week? I usually minister the, the nine Beatitudes in one message, and I kind of got hung up on the first one last week, and I might get hung up on the one second one this week. <laughs> I have a feeling a series has, be, has begun, and, uh, but I'm excited about it. And uh, every, you know, some are saying, well, oh, it's Easter, Easter. Yeah, but we just went through the celebration, amen? We just went through. I guarantee you, he's risen. It's not a question. It's not even an option. It's truth. And that truth sets us free, amen? He is risen. But you know, he gave his disciples a little sermon. And these are called the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. Actually, last week, some of you probably didn't catch it, some of you might have, but I actually, you know, when you're preaching, sometimes you say things, I sometimes get John and Peter No, Paul and Peter mixed up. See, I got them mixed up again. I actually don't have them mixed up. I just, for some reason, it comes out of my mouth wrong. But um, I mentioned, I think, somewhere in the message, because my wife was quick to let me know, which is awesome, because she's like my first line of defense, amen? Um, We were just over in Israel, Sharon and I, and we went on to the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Absolutely amazing. We also went to, uh, what's the olive one? Mount of Olives, that's right. And I talked about a little bit about the Sermon on the Mount, but actually I think I threw in Mount of Olives. So Mount of Olives was not the Sermon of the Mount, okay? So just to clarify, they're actually in two very different geographical locations. Sermon on the Mount is in the northern area, um, and uh, Mount of Olives is down by Jerusalem. And, uh, but so totally different. I just want to clarify that. Uh, amazingly, no one sent me an email, so maybe you guys need to study your Bible a bit more. But I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. So, no, but thank you for not sending me emails. So, <laughs> so last week, you know, we, we, uh, we started the, the, this whole topic of the nine Beatitudes. And I just felt like, because these Beatitudes were given for the purpose of you and I to receive happiness and live in happiness. Jesus taught that true happiness is actually based on our attitudes. That's why he called these the be-attitudes. Get it? Be this attitude. And at the conclusion, you're going to find out how happiness is in our life all the time. Uh, it's happiness is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, the, the, the beatitudes um, in Hebrew, the amount the of the beatitudes is ha osher. And it's a neat mount, uh, it's a hill really, not a mountain, it's a hill, uh, and Sharon and I were up there looking over the Sea of Galilee, just up from Capernaum, and it was absolutely beautiful and amazing. Um, it's in the northern I- a district of northern Israel in Korazim Plateau. It's a really cool, you should do a study on it, um, and, uh, and just see all the things that, that, that you can actually find online, you can actually kind of go there online with not being there, but I would highly recommend get over to Israel if you can. So we're speaking out of Matthew uh, chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 3. This is the first of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I connected with Bethel in Redding, California, way back around the year 2000, 99, 2000, and Something that Papa Bill Johnson would speak a lot on was the kingdom of heaven. The same message kept coming out over and over, just in a whole bunch of different varieties down to that same message. It radically shifted my understanding in life out of my seminary uh, that I've taken in Bible study, five generations of ministry. It just shifted my mindset. It actually, it, it put the Bible into a reality perspective for now. And it was an amazing thing. And if we follow these beatitudes, the last one in verse 10 says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because you can't live with the kingdom of heaven in the kingdom of heaven now at hand without following structure. People say, well, I don't want structure, I just want freedom. Well, actually, freedom is in the structure. You see, I've been to lawless countries, and let me tell you something. You think you have freedom in a lawless country? If someone doesn't like you, they just shoot you. There's law for reason. There's law for reason that actually create safety. Now a lot of us don't like the word law. The old law was the old law was the old covenant. It's done. Well actually, and people say, well, the Ten Commandments, you know, that was the old covenant, doesn't apply. No, no, no. The Ten Commandments are kingdom. Just the Israelites weren't understanding kingdom. And so God had to write them on tablets of stone so Moses could take it to them. But those Ten Commandments are as real today as they were before they were written on stone. And so are this Word of God. This is law. These are the rules, the structure, all oh, guidelines. But let me just say they're guidelines but enforced very heavily. Whatever you want to say. Uh, let, let's say I'm raising one of my kids. Hey, uh, should I use Justin? I'll use Justin. Hey buddy, let me give you a guideline. Do not eat dessert before you finish your meal. Or you get a spanking. Now, he's too big. He probably spanked me now. So that's, But that was when he was a little boy. You don't like spanking. Okay, take your PS3 away. Back then it was PS2 or PS1. can't remember. Was it 1, 2? Okay. And, uh, or we're going to cut out something. Whatever form of discipline you use. But hey, Justin, let me give you a guideline with severe consequences or the law is in our house, eat your meal and have dessert and then. But if you don't eat your meal, you don't get dessert. Or the guideline is eat your meal or you don't get dessert. If you eat your dessert, you're gonna get spanked. Would you see that as law or a guideline? A guideline? Which is a law. Maximum 100 out there. 100 kilometers an hour, not miles. I tried that, it didn't work, cop didn't like it. I said, but come on, I don't have kilometers. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Maximum 100, is that a guideline or a law? Really? It's suggested, so it's actually a guideline as well too because you can go slower, you just can't go slower than 60, so please get off that highway if you can't go faster than 60K. (laughs) Law, guidelines, guidelines keep you in law. Law produces guidelines. Uh, okay. I don't even know why I went off on that. It has nothing to do with what I'm going to preach on. So for, so these Beatitudes are law. They're guidelines. They're instructions. They're telling you that the law of heaven, you need to live this aspect to enter the kingdom of heaven. Whether you call that a guideline, if, you, if this is a guideline for you, the guideline of the Beatitudes is if you live this way, you will have more of the kingdom of heaven. The structure is, if you live this way, you'll have more of the kingdom of heaven. Do we understand that? Okay. So, everyone's looking at me like, hurry up. What are you mumbling for? So, we talked about the first beatitude. We're going to just skip, 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 Attitude two. An attitude that grieves and mourns. Matthew chapter five, verse four. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What's the word mourn? It's pentheil. It means to grieve, to mourn, to wail, to lament. Here Jesus is actually speaking hope to us. He's actually speaking hope. I know that it might not seem like he's speaking hope, but he's speaking hope. Why? Because of what he said. Blessed are those who mourn for what's going to happen. They shall be comforted. Right? Right? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So mourn to receive comfort. The thing is, is most people listen to the word mourn and have their own interpretation of what mourn looks like. And I want to explain what the true meaning of this word mourn is because it's important that we understand that Jesus is actually speaking hope, just like if you didn't listen to the first beatitude Go on YouTube or Facebook live, whatever, and listen to it from last week, and you'll get an understanding clarity of it. So he's speaking hope to us all. We all have times of grief. Every one of us have had times of grief. Absolutely. Most people are not prepared for grief as it often comes suddenly. Many times something will happen in your life or in your family and it creates a grief. Sometimes you, you know someone's sick, they're terminal, but really I'm a firm believer that as long as they breathe, I'm going after miraculous healing in their life, okay? And sometimes that's done graciously, so you're not every time you go going to the hospital, in Jesus' name, I command you, get up. You know, it's like sometimes we have to have grace with this. Let me rephrase that. We always have to go with grace. okay? Uh, because really, and this is a tough one, I'm a firm believer that God has the authority over death. Which means the devil can't have that authority. So, since God has the authority over life and death, the devil can't have the authority over death because God doesn't share his authority with the devil. When the Israelites were warned in Egypt to mark their doorposts, who warned them? God did. And who sent the angel of death? God did. Because I guarantee you, if the devil had authority over death you and I would all be dead. I guarantee you, he would have taken me out. But that dirty little devil does not have power. He does not have authority unless I give it to him. Now, if you fear the devil, I believe you're transferring authority into that devil. I don't fear him. People say, Brett, you should fear the devil. He could take you out. Uh, He tried. Pistol in my forehead, misfired four times. Captured in southern Sudan. An angel walks in and releases me. It looked like a man. I call him an angel. He might have been a man, but the other two pastors that were captive as well, they didn't see him. I did. But they walked out with me. You get it? And so really, I have no doubt in my mind, when I die, God will send that angel, and I'm going to breathe my last, and I'm going to go from glory to glory, but you better not ever, after I'm gone and I'm in heaven, start calling me back. Because once I get up there, I'm staying up there. Okay? <laughs> because I'm gonna have more authority than you and do not call me back. Comfort my wife, my kids, comfort the family, but just don't call me back, amen? So I've had an experience of a place uh, and I will guarantee you I want to be there. My mom and dad are there. I'm gonna love that, and celebrate with them. Here Jesus is speaking hope. Most people are not prepared for the grief. Sadly, most people do not find comfort Only deeper sorrow. They don't actually even find comfort. They find deeper sorrow, despair, and loneliness. You have grief on you. Oh God, how could you let this happen? There's despair, there's sorrow, there's grief in you. There's loneliness. I feel so alone because of this bad thing that just happened. But when we grieve and mourn, many times well-meaning people come up to you and they say things, it'll be all right. That is the last thing I need to hear right now. Oh, hang in there. You'll feel better in a little bit. What? I feel terrible now. You know, whatever it is. Or, or look on the bright side. You're going to learn something through it. You know, well-meaning people, they say, it. sometimes they don't know what to say. I messed up yesterday. I went to a, a friend of mine's uh, memorial service, and, and I messed up with one of his daughters. I went, hey, how are you doing? And I saw her eyes were just like red. I'm like, Shucks. Man, I missed it again. But we've known each other for a long, long time, so I'm sure it's all fine. But before we look at the comfort that Jesus was speaking of, we need to understand a little bit more about the attitude of mourning. The mourning that Jesus is talking about, it's actually not a mourning of self-pity or the bitter cry of a victim. Poor me. Poor me. They abandoned me. They left me. They spoke evil against me. I lost my job. I can't believe they fired me. What do you mean they fired me? And, and that's not mourning that Jesus is speaking about. Mourning that Jesus is speaking about is not coming into church or, or living your life like, oh, poor me. I'm a dirty, wretched sinner. And I, 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 I got to come to Windward to get some hope because I got no hope. If you don't have hope, then get in here. But let me tell you what, we can't give you hope, but I know someone that can. Yeah, but you don't understand, Brent. I'm, I'm devastated. I've lost a loved one. Absolutely, there's a time of grieving. I've lost my job. I've lost my house. The bank took my mortgage. They took my car. I've lost everything. How could the bank do that? Didn't they know I was going to make that payment? I know it's six months late, but why, why would they do that? The morning that Jesus is talking about is a mourning from the guilty side from the direction of our sin. It is mourning and recognition of our offenses before a loving God. The bank took my car instead of mourning. Oh, I can't believe that bank. I've been with them for like a year now. Don't they understand? I went through difficult seasons in life. and Yeah, you know, and they took my, my brand new Beamer away. Just because it's a $2,800 a month payment. Didn't they know that I just can't make it right now? Can't they give me some grace? What it is, is it's actually, oh God, I was so dumb. I took such a ridiculous loan on that car. I'm so sorry, God. Please forgive me and help me. Give me wisdom to never make that kind of mistake again. Because you're a good, good God, and you give me good, good things. And I actually didn't deserve the car because I couldn't make the payments in the first place. Or that dirty, wretched bank. I'm gonna go pick at that bank. Or oh, God, forgive me. I'm. I need wisdom. I need direction. But I'm here to serve you. And I'm here to praise you. And I'm here to glorify your name. I'm here on this earth because your son, Jesus Christ, died for my sins. uh, And I'm going to live this life. uh, And I'm not going to get a vehicle that I can't afford uh, or a mortgage I can't afford because it's not a good testimony to the people. Oh, God, help me not walk down that path anymore. Oh, God, let me not see that pornography again. I'm going to stop. Oh, God, not, well, my computer was just open. It's your fault, computer. You understand what I'm saying? It's a morning that has a recognition of our offenses before a loving and holy God. It's a morning that recognizes I can't do it without him. I, I can't even do life good without him. I can't even do marriage good without him. I can't do fathering good without him. I can't even be a good grandpa without him being born first, little H. Come out, Samuel. (laughs) We bless the unborn children. But the ones, they're alive. Not to be aborted, but for life. For life. You see... I can't do this without him. I couldn't get in that tank today without him. I can't get on a plane tomorrow without him. Why? Because I would just love to stay home tomorrow. It's a holiday for most people. Some it's not. For me, it's not. I get on an airplane. I get to get up at 2 a.m., leave the house at 3, Get into Vancouver airport by 4, 4:15, get on the shuttle into the terminal to get through customs at 4:30 to 4:40 to get ready to get on a plane. That's my day. And you're like, oh whoa, I love to do that. It's amazing. But when you travel as much as I do, it's just a means to do the service and the work that God's called me to. I'm in a whole different attitude when I'm going to Mexico for vacation. Blessed are the people who mourn. Who mourn their sin. Like like from from the aspect of I'm guilty. What did I do that for? Oh God. Oh God I'm never going to do this again. Oh God. Why? Because if we mourn the other way. It's a mourning of pride and selfishness. I can't believe they did that to me. God why did you steal my husband? Why did you steal him away? Why did you steal my child? God. God. Why is it always your fault? Forgive me, Father. That is not what I feel in any way. But I want to just try to make it clear, Lord God, that we need to have the right side of the morning. We need to recognize our offenses, we need to recognize our sins, and we need to mourn them right out of our life. The Bible says godly sorrow leads to repentance, 2 Corinthians chapter seven, verse 10. 2 Corinthians seven, verse 10. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Godly sorrow causes us to hate our sin and turn from it. You see, this is the same root structure of the word mourn, is sorrow. The tail and the second part of the structure of of the word sorrow, the tail part, can also mean mourn. So when we read the scripture for godly mourning, godly sorrow produces repentance, godly sorrow that I no longer want to sin, godly sorrow that I know Jesus has forgiven me, now I have to hate sin so bad that I'm sorrowing and I'm mourning for anything that will keep me from the relationship of God in my life. That I will, I will mourn every morning for everything that I am not supposed to do but I'm going to celebrate on the other side for everything that God has called me to do. Godly sorrow produces repentance. We can't even have true repentance without godly sorrow in our lives. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have to have godly sorrow. It's sorrow against this world, but the sorrow of the world produces death sorrow of the world again it looks like you know oh i got nothing oh i'm poor oh i'm a nobody oh you know uh i can't be an evangelist i can't lead people to jesus oh i've got i i I can't do this i can't do that oh i'm gonna live in poverty that's that is godly that is sorrow of the world getting a hold of your life godly sorrow transfers us to you are everything (laughs) you are holy and because of you i get to live holy on this earth because of your love pouring out of me i love everyone around me i even love my enemies i bless them i hate their sin but i bless them how can you do that if we have worldly sorrow? Because worldly sorrow, worldly mourning is if you have an enemy, you are to hate them. But that's not godly sorrow and godly mourning. Godly, car, co- godly sorrow causes us to hate our sin and turn from it. Self-centered world sorrow only leads to bitterness. It is never satisfied. I tell you what. The world's sorrow and the world's mourning is self-centered. It's all about me, me, me. What does our culture teach us in America and Canada? Me, me, me. If you don't like it, get another one. If someone, you're going to McDonald's and they don't serve you well, get another burger. Doesn't taste right, get another one. I deserve it, I deserve it, I deserve it, I deserve it. You know what that means? When you deserve the things of this world, you're in godly, worldly sorrow and worldly mourning. Godly sorrow and godly mourning, I deserve you. I deserve you. I don't, but you made me, so I do. I I deserve more in your presence because you opened the door for me, Jesus and Holy Spirit. You opened the door so wide that I get to go through it farther and farther and farther. Matter of fact, I get to walk on this earth with such joy and with such happiness that nothing can hold me down. I am going after you, God. Your door is so wide, and I want to be an open door. I want to be an open door. Give me more, Father. Give me more. I want to sorrow in you. I want to mourn in you. I want to be holy in you father God this is what I'm after I don't care about the things of this earth they're going to come and they're going to go and chances are you and I aren't going to change a whole bunch until you're called into this or live in this heavenly calling and in this heavenly calling then you can change Canada then you can change the world but if you try to do it with your old worldly mourning or God worldly sorrow you're not going to change it it'll change you but we have to go after him because if we don't go after him Bitterness will lead us up. Anger will lead us up. Frustration will lead us up. Bad relationships will lead us up. Let me tell you something. Go after the best relationship ever. That's between you and God. And Jesus Christ, he opened that door. Everything he did on this earth, he saw his father do in heaven everything he heard his father say he spoke on this earth he heard his father say why so you and I can glorify the father so you and I can celebrate with the father so you and I can be sons and daughters of the king the king of kings the lord of lords Jesus Christ the king of kings the lord of lords Spirit he helps us and empowers us into the right side of mourning the right side of mourning and that's not holding grudges against people that's not holding your past against people that's not holding hatred against people that's the wrong side that's self pity and self centeredness That's the world side of sorrow. But the godly side is, Father, I bless them. Maybe they don't know what they're doing. It hurt a lot. But Father, I bless them. And you know what? If I really sit and think about it, I deserve some of it too. And so Father God, celebrate you. I give praise to you. I'm not worthy, but yet you call me worthy enough to do what you call me gift I have would change this whole ministry. The Holy Spirit will come in when I come in. I can do that. I can do what they do. I can be what they are. Wrong side of mourning. Wrong side of sorrow. I need a miracle more than they need a miracle. How do I know they weren't even, for crying out loud, they had a headache. Who knows they had a headache? And they say they got healed wrong side. Father God, I'm thankful. That person comes up every single Sunday for a headache, and every Sunday they get healed. Well, praise God. Who am I to judge that person's miracle? Who am I to judge their testimony? I need to work on my own testimony first. So God, I want to be blessed as one who mourns. I'm not going to live on the side of sin. I'm going to live on the side of victory. I'm not even going to live on the side of an attack of sin. I'm going to live on the side of the sins already been defeated in my life. Because God, you gave us that option and you gave us that promise. When that little devil, he comes at me, I'm going to just look at him and say, get behind me, Satan. You're just a dirty little liar. I'm a son of God. I'm saved by grace, the grace that you sent your son to die for me on the cross. I'm going to come in here to this service every single Sunday I'm here, and I'm going to be on fire in your presence, oh God. Ah, my morning is my am Oh God, I want more. My wailing is, oh God, give us more. I'm going after more. My travail is, oh God, I'm I going for more. I, I'm not doing that sin thing. I'm not going after the junks of this world. I'm going after more of you. I'm going after more. I'm mourning for you, God. I'm mourning for the more. I'm mourning. I'm hungry for the more. I don't come in here. Oh, what a week. What an unbelievable week. I got to go to Windward to get some life in my bones again. Hey, you need to come that way, come. But we don't bring you life. We can bring family. But he is the author of life. And maybe you came that way. Maybe you've been bummed out. Maybe you've had a bad week or month or year. Maybe you just have a bad life period. Let me tell you what. You're mourning the things that have happened to you instead of mourning the things God wants to do to you. It seems so contrary and contradictory in the terminology of mourning because we always think of mourning as someone crying and wailing. You're exactly right. It's crying, it's wailing, it's lamenting. It's exclaiming. It is literally crying and wailing for more. It is crying and wailing not from the world but from heaven to invade you and earth. Let's all stand. And there is comfort for the person who sorrows with godly sorrow it is the comfort of Christ who fully identifies with us Jesus himself was also subject to weakness having been tempted in everything just as you and I have been tempted and are tempted but he never sinned Jesus lived without sin yet he faced every trial every temptation every pain every suffering and every grief that you and I face So Jesus is able to comfort all who have the right attitude to mourn correctly because he has also been tempted. But what is Jesus Christ doing right now? He sits on the right hand of the Father. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the Lamb that was worthy to be slain. Revelation talks about him like like hair as white as snow, eyes of fire. I mean, this guy is not up there. Oh, my poor bride in Canada, in America. He is up there rejoicing and celebrating in power and authority saying that is my bride that is my bride those are my people right there see that they have power they have authority in my name says jesus christ they're up there and this devil knows that voice he knows that life those angels aren't around us fighting demons The demons have already been defeated by the angelic. They were defeated many thousands and thousands of years ago. 66% of them stayed in heaven, and they cast out 33% of the angels now as demons on this earth. I guarantee you, the war is not between angels and demons. The war, the battle, right here in your mind. And all of heaven is up there. Oh, you can do it. Jeremy, you can do it. Kevin, Donnie, you can do it. Chris, you can do it. Mallory, you can do it. Justin, you can do it. You can go for it. You got it. And all these angels are surrounding the church and who knows where they all are. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of them. And maybe Jesus is right now standing up from his throne in heaven and he's looking down and he says to his father, Father, see, they were worth my death. They were worth the sacrifice. Look at them. Look at them. Look what they're going to do. Look where they're going. There's a fire of his presence waiting to engulf every evil thought of our mind. There's a fire of his glory ready to consume everything human. Our human mindsets, our human issues, our human problems. What does my hair look like today? human issues human problems the fire of the holy spirit the fire of jesus christ the fire of the father don't worry about tomorrow let's go after today because if you live victory today i guarantee you it's going to lead you to greater victory tomorrow If you can get through these Beatitudes, these attitudes be in your life, I guarantee you, you'll live in victory. Victory is a choice. Why? Because victory is already established. You know? Imagine if, let's just say, Abbotsford and Aldergrove had a war. And believe it or not, Aldergrove won and defeated Abbotsford. And Aldergrove now takes over Abbotsford. But Aldergrove can't believe that they actually have the victory because it doesn't make sense because it's so much smaller than Abbotsford. And Abbotsford would be shell-shocked as well too. But let's just say it happened. And everyone in Aldergrove, they're like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm scared Abbotsford's going to take it over again. Oh, I'm fearful that Abbotsford might just come take my house this time. Oh, I'm fearful that Abbotsford's going to dominate us. Or, or maybe I better not move to Abbotsford just in case we end up losing the war again. Or next time, I should say. It's a goofy thought. So if the devil has been defeated, how much power does he have? If power and authority has been given to Jesus Christ, how much power is left for the devil on heaven, in heaven, and on earth? If all power and authority, if I read my Bible and you read it too, all power Jesus declared from the throne room of triumph. He declared on, in Matthew, all, heaven, all power and authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So if he has all power and all authority, how much is left for the devil? So the only way that devil can have power and can have authority if you and I believe that he has power and he has authority and we live in fear of it. Then you empower that devil. Oh, the devil's so big. You know what? We need 50 intercessors to go after this demon. What are you talking about? The demon's like this big. The worst the devil can do is bruise my heel from stomping him on the head. And we have to live in a life of victory now. It's an attitude. It's a lifestyle. It's a reality of the kingdom of heaven at hand. Do we believe the kingdom of heaven has the victory over the enemy? Yes. The more we live in his kingdom, the more you'll live in victory. And kick that thought of the devil. You'll mourn that enemy right out of your life and step into favor and blessing of the King of kings and the Lord of lords in our life. I want to ask you here today, maybe you've been struggling, maybe you're like, wow, this, this is really beating me up and I want to get out of here fast. This message is hurting me. Or maybe it's exciting you. Either way, it's talking to you. Because I'm not preaching my message, I'm preaching the word of God. My question to you, to all of us, anyone watching on TV, is what side of mourning are you on? Because all of that world side, if you let it go today, you're going to feel the comfort. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. But if you mourn on the wrong side towards the world, You don't have the comfort of Jesus. You say, Well, hold it, he's a comforter of everyone. Yeah, but you know what? The average really bad Satanist and sinner doesn't have a lot of comfort of Jesus. They find their comfort in other things. Let's go after the comfort in Jesus Christ, amen. So I'm gonna ask you here today. Maybe, maybe you came here this morning, maybe you've been feeling like I've just been mourning wrong side and I want to let go of everything that has been taking me down, of this world every sin that has been in my life I want to release it now in Jesus name I want to walk into a fresher, newer light of his presence, a greater glory of who he is, if that's you I want you to put your hand up real quick notice I didn't say bow your head, I just want you to put your hand up I see those hands, I see those hands I see those hands I have my hand up because I want more I'm a greedy Christian, I'm after more, I'm I'm greedy for his kingdom, I'm greedy for more. But you know what? You can't help an alcoholic until they decide they're sick. We can't even help each other in the family until we decide we need help. And every one of us needs help. I need help. Do I find my help just in the Lord? No. Nope. I find my help in the people around me as well too, because they also find their help in the Lord. I find my help in the family. How many of you have been feeling lonely? Put your hand up. Be honest. You've been feeling lonely. I see those hands. I see those hands. How many of you have been sick? Put your hand up. I see those hands. I see those hands. How many of you have a loved one that's sick? Put your hand up. Yeah. Why don't we just go after celebrating God and praising God in such a way that all of the grief and the pain, the worry falls away and we see the miraculous happen around us, amen? So let's pray quickly. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you want to know him, put your hand up. I give you opportunity right now. when I see that hand. Is there anybody else who wants to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Put your hand up. See, this is a big day. It's the day that the Lord has made. He has risen, and he has risen indeed. That's what we're here. It's it's an amazing thing. Yes, you carry grief, but how you have victory in your grief is to not mourn the pain of the things you lost, but to go after the things that God has yet to give you our heads and close our eyes father we love you we thank you i pray father that this word has come across well i pray lord god that we will understand the second beatitude blessed are those who mourn where they will be comforted i ask Father that when we leave here we will be comforted we'll be comforted we'll have such a covering of your holy spirit over us the comforter will empower us will live in us will dwell in us Lord and I know when I'm comforted by the Holy Spirit I have a hard time sitting still I get real eager and anxious and I want to go conquer the world because when that Holy Spirit comforter comes upon me I feel like I have the boldness uh, the strength of a lion to go into all the world and preach the gospel and I say ask Lord God here today that when we leave this house uh, that we will have the comfort of your Holy Spirit upon us that we will go boldly into the world they say, boldly go where no man has gone before. That's the dumb star chalk thing, but, but Father, you're real, and we thank you and we bless you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on that cross and rising from the grave. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being sent to us, the promise of the Father to empower us. We thank you, Father, for this congregation, for this family, for this group, Lord God, in all of the Windward Ministries, all of the local churches, locally and internationally. We pray blessing upon them all, Father. I ask, Lord God, as I fly into Mexico, Lord, that these crusades, uh, we will see dead raised, we will see sick healed, we will see people come to you as a living Lord and Savior in their life, Father. We pray for the miraculous and expectation, not just Mexico, but here in our own family, in our own homes, uh, in our own life, uh, in our own businesses, Father. We ask for the miraculous. And we thank you, Father, because you're a good, good God. You are a good, good God. And I'm ready to just camp out on you're a good, good God. You are always good. You're always good. You're never a bad God. You are always a good God. You love us unconditionally. You always love us. You're a good God. You, you, just, you just celebrate us all the time, and we want to celebrate you all the time, Father. As a matter of fact, I don't even want to think negative anymore. I just want to think positive, Father, because you're a good, good God. And we thank you, Father, and we pray blessings upon each person.